you doing, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Cajun Conservative. I'm your host, Isaac Hayes, where we talk about life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. I'm glad you decided to join me at this hour where this country looks like it is going to hell in a handbasket. But yes, there is hope. I tell you at the end of every episode that Jesus is king and he will never be dethroned. He will never get impeached. Nothing that the left does can go ahead and take him out of office. So I'm just glad you're here. We got a lot of news this week. We got a lot of things that I, I feel that are important to talk about. But I want to go ahead and introduce to y'all today, running for the second district of Louisiana's congressman, Mr. Bernard, uh, Claston Bernard. Am I correct on that name, sir? Yes, sir, you are. Amen. You well, are correct. Mr. Bernard, thank you for joining us today. I'm going to be honest with you. I have some friends that have been... Uh, pushing you here and unfortunately we are in the third district but i have a wide audience in louisiana and i wanted i want them to know in the second district that there is a true conservative running for that seat and uh you're we're hoping that you replace well he he's already gone but cedric richmond i hope you take that seat and we turn that seat red the seat belongs to the people and the people need to be um represented um we we have gone for too long with um just people who say the right things and do nothing and then no you know you look at congressional district too it's the fourth worst district in the country in the congressional district too you have one of the worst second worst cities to live in with with beautiful history and resources in this country we shouldn't have that we have politicians out there making promises as if they're going to do any different from the other politicians who have been there. When their track record of career politics is just, you know, it's not what the people need. The people need opportunities. They need jobs. They need the right skill set to, to, to do what is necessary to succeed. And they need leadership who will deal with that. And that's the bad thing about that area because it, uh, District 2, I think, holds some parts of Baton Rouge, if not all Baton Rouge, and majority of the New Orleans area and Slidell area. And that area is um, so influenced with uh, the left agenda. Um, New Orleans in particular, you know, you're talking about jobs and how that there's no jobs there. New Orleans is a is a it's literally a swamp in there of people that are taking 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 politicians taking 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 and not helping the people of that district and to represent them and cedric richmond hasn't i don't know how he stayed in there he hasn't he hasn't done anything good for this state or for the country in my opinion you know, well, I'll say the district is only parts of um, Baton Rouge. It's parts of Baton Rouge, not most of Baton Rouge. Um, yes, it, it has a lot of um, New Orleans, but there are 10 parishes, and most of it is around the, the black community, which, you know, um, sadly, sometimes, you know, it, the thing about the black community wants heroes, true leaders. You know, they don't want career politicians. You don't want someone telling them that the problem that they're facing is due to um, what happened in Washington or the, the, the executive. It, it, no, they want someone who will tell them that the reason why we're here is because the people who are supposed to represent us haven't done a good job. You know, they, they, um, they, now they have, you know, fully embraced the leftist agenda. And the leftist agenda is not a successful agenda for any group of people. It's a path that rewards a few, and it, it, it and it lay waste just whole destructions of communities and societies and countries, countries throughout history, man. So what we're dealing with is um, we we have we have to start getting true winners, true champions for a congressional district too. My life is not about being a career politician, you know. I've been to two Olympics. I've also, you know, represented LSU on the highest level, winning a national champion for LSU, national championship for LSU. But I've written books, written books about life, about reality. And when you when you're out there with the people, you realize people want something real to connect with. They want 
to be motivated sometimes. They know what needs to be done. They know all the problems. They know all the crooks. They know who are no good. But they just need to be able to connect with someone who is real, someone who is going to talk to them, someone who is going to have host town halls, someone who is going to listen to, 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 to their problems, someone who is going to come up with ideas for them to succeed. And you sound you sound like a lot like our congressman here in the third district, which is Clay Higgins. Um, I, I've met Clay on uh, one time, and you know, down the heart man, he he was a he's just like you. He was a normal person that worked in law enforcement, but people looked to him because his bold stance on the Constitution and his uh, his outspoken ability to connect with people. And you sound like you're a lot like that. You're not you're not into the political room you want to help people and you want to get to washington to make a difference for us as this not because you're representing them 10 parishes but when you go to washington you cast a vote you're casting a vote that's going to change the nation just not one parish as well yeah you know um people like realness people like look and and in, in sadly we have career politicians who are just looking to climb the ladder that's all that it is for them. It's for them. It's a bigger paycheck for some of them. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just what we have. And, you know, thank you for that compliment too. You know, um, we have some, we have some good congressmen in this state. You know, we, we, we have to be about the people. We have to, you know, like I said, you know, I, I'm a, I'm, I came here as an immigrant and I became an Olympian, man. I became a champion. I became an author. I became a business owner right here in this state. But we have so many people who continue to flee the state because of poor, the poor education, job-killing opportunities. You know, the tourism industry, Louisiana has such a rich history. It belonged to the Spanish, uh, some, the French, the English, you know, the, the Native American Indians. We have bus companies right now being stifled um, due to the, the, the shutdown, tourism. You know, you have um, the oil industry right now. We have people who are struggling and you're talking about green new deal which is just a wealth redistribution um system you know nuclear energy is good for society fossil fuel is good for society they create jobs and they keep us warm they help us to build things that help life-saving things you know we 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 have to just tell people this is what we have this is who we are as a state and this is where we can go yeah and the green new energy deal you mentioned that it didn't help texas with all their windmills freezing over and uh when aoc was asked that about that she go oh that that don't that's not that's not the green new deal those those windmills were this and this is all it's all over publicized about this these windmills froze and people couldn't get their their warm the warmth in their home to be comfortable to where people have died from it. And that's where that's leading to. Like you said, that's a, that's a social society that, well, that's a social program to give people uh, a fantasy to, to just live like, a, um, to, to make them feel good. And it's going to drive America bankrupt, basically the new green deal. Yeah, no, it's wealth um, redistribution. That's what it is. That's why she's right. The green new deal is not about fixing our problems. It's about wealth redistribution. It's about elevating the, the in, intelligentsia. That's, that's what it's about. You know? So, no, it's not about using the resources that have made this country great or developing the minds that we, we can do. We have great, we're, we're a country with great potential. We're a state with great potential. We're a people with amazing potential. But the, the, the lust is for power. And the, the, the lust is for control. The lust is for indoctrination in education. And in politics, it's for, it's for power. It's for money. It's for influence. It's not to help people. So that is what we're being faced with, you know, as a country, as a community, as a district, as a state. We need leadership who, is, who are going to go out there. You know, we, we keep talking about, like, social justice. Social justice was created by freaking Adolf Hitler. Read history. Sometimes these people, I wonder about them. But you I, read I, history. 
I don't even think they read history. Look, I'm a big history buff. Uh, if you look at my studio here, I got posters of creation of dinosaurs, but I also got some history and stuff that's our lives in textbooks. And we, we read history. No social society, no green deal, no nothing has worked in any other country. What makes them expect is going to work here? And like you said, Adolf Hitler, you know, he maybe preached equality, but it was for the highest levels. It wasn't for the minorities. He was a bigot. Right. That's right. what it was. And that's the thing that people miss. You know, this only justice that is the, the purest justice is the cross. Amen. Amen. I agree with you. You know, Karl Marx was a bigot. He hated black people. He hated anything that wasn't white. Well, does, does, there's does, evidence of that. You know, go ahead. There's the start of the Democrat Party. Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson was one of the most racist men in the post uh, post Civil War era. He 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 owned slaves, but you don't hear that because he was a he was a uh, he was a giant to the Democrat Party. You know, the thing about it is, but look, just stay with the ideology that they're espousing. They are trying to divide us racially. And race, race is just a social construct. Genetically, we are the same. 99.98% similar genetically. We're only 0.012% different. Eye color, ear color, skin color. And your skin color is dictated by how much melanin you have in your skin. I'm from a country where I've had to learn not to judge people by the color of their skin. It was a majority black country. You have to take people as they are, who they are. Now, this is my country, America. Beautiful country that has given me great opportunities. And we can't stop all the hatred. We can't stop all the bigotry. We, you know, we can't stop all of that. But we can unite behind the common cause. And whether you're black, white, Indian, whatever you consider yourself, God and family matters. Right. And, and talking about that, that's what I was about to ask you, Juan, because um, before our interview today, I told you I love how your platform and the first thing you put on there in your platform, you said we have lost sight, lost sight of our priorities. There are no truths apart from God's truth. If you want freedom, look to the cross. If you need peace, look to the cross. And that I, I love your attitude on your website for that, because we have to get back to. The founding fathers, you know, a lot of people will say the founding fathers weren't all Christians, but 52 out of the 55 signers of the Declaration of Independence were active members of their church. They knew that was the foundation, and it was the Bible. You know, good scientists will always give credit where it is due, you know? <laughs> you know, you're not going to build a plane without trying to, by trying to defy the law of aerodynamics or the law of gravity, you know? There are people, whether they're Christian or not, understand that there's absolute, absolute truth. And our founders were such. They weren't perfect. Some of them, you know, they, they participated in the institution of slavery and all that stuff. But they understood truth. And they knew that the system that they were putting in place was the only way for us as humans to live in a just society. They knew that. But we have people today who, whose goal is for power. And when people, when their lust is for a power, they will use any and everything to destroy this country. Case in point, the Soviet Union has, was a big enemy of America. They coined the term white privilege. Why did they try, the, why did they coin the term white privilege? Because they were trying to pit black and white against each other. They've been trying almost since the Bolshevik Revolution to make sure they could de destabilize America because that's the only, only option and choice they have to be able for socialism to fully take control of the world. America has to be morally and physically bankrupt. We have to be destroyed. And the way for them to do that is to use race relations. And that is what Unfortunately, many people in my district are being fed. They're not being told that education is one of the best ways out of poverty. 
We need great after-school programs. In fact, I'm radical enough to say we need to privatize every freaking schools in this state. Take the power away from the government. Get rid of the freaking school board. Get rid of the union. I'm willing to say that because in the free market, in the free market economy, competition wins. That's right. That's why we have all favorite basketball, baseball, football teams, because they invest in winning. They're going to do what it takes. I'm not talking about the cheaters. You know, and that's right. why we have prisons. That's why we have prisons for people who will decide to bend the rules. Right, right. And and the thing of it is, the school board today, uh, you know, you're coming back, we was talking about the spirituality of this country. That started off the decline of the spirituality in the schools because the schools today don't talk about the Bible. The first the first uh, school book was the Bible, and they they put it away with ideologies like uh, evolution and Marxism in there, and it's ruining our country. But if we take that stand and we say, listen, we're taking back our schools for the gospel, or like you said, we're going to go ahead and uh, take away the school boards and make sure everything is what's in there true, our, our whole nation would change because we're going back to God and not back to a communist uh, thought process. Well, you know, uh, in my book, Outcast, No Room at the Table for Conservative Blacks in Black America, one of, one of the points I've made in that book is that education in the hands of the government becomes a political tool for indoctrination. Right. They, they, their goal is to cre- um, create intellectual slaves. Now, um, you have to, you know, you see that happening. Education is necessary. Education, not indoctrination. Right. We need people with the proper skills. The rights, you know, we need people to emphasize math and science, reading. We need to emphasize those, not social indoctrination, not girl today, boy tomorrow. No, we we need people who are actually going to teach people to do things, teach people to make things, to build things. That's what education is supposed to be about. We have to get radical. We want the, the thing about it, even the private schools sometimes and the, the Christian schools now, they, they are now moving leftward. What we need to do is to fix the family. Because the family should be the one who is in control of our education, our spirituality, and our, you know, our, um, how we become members or our productive members of society. It's the family's responsibility. It's not the government's role. The government is not designed to employ and, and to create this bureaucracy for, for um, economic or political control. The family is supposed to do those things. The government is downstream from the family. That means the government is inferior to the family. It doesn't get to dictate to the family. It is not their responsibility to tell us what, who we should worship, how we should worship, or dictate life, liberty, or property when life begins. They don't get to dictate. The government don't tell you when life begins. Right. They, they, they came out of us. They, 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 they're forgetting that, like, like if you get elected to Congress, and hopefully you do, if you get elected to Congress, we're your boss. You listen to us because a lot of people don't remember. They want to quote the Constitution, but a lot of politicians don't want to quote the first three words on the Constitution, we the people, which we. means we, as American citizens, we dictate what's going to happen because we are free and moral society. Yeah, because the simple messages you hear people say don't mix um, religion and politics and morality and all this kind of stuff. The reality is this, because when you talk the way that I'm talking, is that you have to realize that the government is inferior to the family. That means the government is supposed to represent the family. It is supposed to protect the most innocent. It is supposed to protect our liberties. It is not, it's not supposed to be creating laws and bureaucracy to strip Americans of their rights. Right. To strip babies of their, their the unborn of life. And it it's is, not supposed to tax us into oblivion. Right. They, they, they're, taking, they're taking their powers above another level. It's not what the founding fathers are tending it to be. But it's not just the It's not how God intended it right. to be. Right. The first institution created by God was the family, the man and the woman. Right. The government is downstream the family. It has no business dictating to the family. It, it is, is there to operate on unlimited capacity. 
It it is taking the phrase "divided we fall." The uh, the uh, if you divide it, they fall, and they're taking that to a whole level. The left is taking that, and they're trying. Like you said, I agree with you. They're dividing the country to where it, they're taking away God, they're taking away family, they're taking away education to divide this nation. Um, Mr. Br- uh, Bernard, we only have a few more moments left. Uh, I want to thank you again for coming on. It was a blessing to have you. you encouraged me today, and uh, you put faith in in me for you, you know, I, I hear your heart. I, I know you're a man after God and you want the great, the, there was, you want better for this nation in your closing uh, statement. Can you tell us where people can donate to you and just reach out to your voters one more time. And if you had a voter in front of you, what would you tell them uh, for them to vote for you in this upcoming special election? Well, my um, number is going to be number three. You can go to Bernard for uh, and find me, go on Twitter, you can find me at Claxton B. On Facebook, you can find me on Claxton Bernard. And um, Twitter, you can find me under Claxton um, II. Um, I'm on Niwi, I'm on Parla. We're, just type in Claxton Bernard, you'll find me. I've written some great articles, too. I've, you know, on Amazon, there, I have three books. One, Outcast, No Room at the Table um, for Conservative Blacks in Black America. Um, I Was Born a Winner. And also, Whose Voice Do We Hear? It's a Christian book. So um, there are a number of different places you can find me and get information about me. But more than anything, I want, I want to become your champion in Washington, D.C. I've, I've been made a champion in the state. I'm a champion. And I want to champion Louisiana. I want to champion Congressional District 2. I know, I know we, we want winners. We don't want career bureaucrats or leeches. We want winners. And I'm, I'm a winner. I'm there to take this to the next level. Amen. Well, look, we're going to be praying for you, my brother. And look, keep us, keep us informed, man. You got my number and uh, text me and let me know what's going on with the campaign trail. And uh, I wish I could help more than what I can, but you know, I, I wanted to get, I want people to hear your opinions and what you're going to Washington for to fight for us. I believe you're going to fight for us in the United States Congress. And uh, we'll be keeping you in prayers and be keeping our listeners informed of your progress. Awesome. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Isaac. Oh, no problem. Glad to help. That was Claston Bernard uh, running for Congress in the 2nd Congressional District of Louisiana. That was uh, seated by Richmond before he went work for the Biden administration. Uh, when we get back, we're going to be talking about who uh, who will be the next great conservative voice after Rush Limbaugh passed away. And we're also going to be trying to talk about some Second Amendment uh, rights issue that Biden had kind of talking about executive orders. We'll be right back. For delivering material to a job site, Acadiana uses Hayes Dump Truck Services. Since 2011, Hayes has been moving heaven and earth to job sites all over Acadiana with their top-of-the-line dump trucks. Whether it's a huge landscaping job or a pre-construction site, Hayes has the manpower and equipment to move the materials fast, fast. You call, we haul. Dirt, compost, gravel, topsoil, fill sand, and limestone. Call Hayes right now, 852-8043. Hayes Dump Truck Services, where Jesus is Lord of this company. How you doing, everybody? Welcome back to the Cage Conservative. Once again, glad you are joining me today as we talk about life, living in pursuit of happiness. That was Claston Bernard. He is running for the second congressional district of Louisiana. Um, great man. And um, his faith in the Lord, I could just hear it. And like I said, I want to quote his website again. We have lost sight of our priorities. There are no truths apart from God's truth. And if you want freedom, look to the cross. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I added that last part in. But that um, that had just encouraged me. And all these Christians that are out there saying, well, God did not call me to politics. How do you know that? You know, look, I, I have not had the call of God to go run for uh, for for elected official, um, 
electric uh, election seat. I have not gone to, I, I thought about it. I thought about going run for parish councils and, or in, if you're in another state besides Louisiana, a county seat or school board or something of that nature. I have, I, I thought about it, but I have not got the call to go do it. And what I'm doing today on this microphone and throughout this, you know, getting listened to by a lot of people, I, you know, I just thank you for listening. First off, because this wouldn't be possible without you, but just to encourage people and give people the truth. You know, the reason I called my first podcast Brothers Just Searching is because we're searching for truth. And look, there's no truth besides God's truth, and that is Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. And that uh, Mr. Bernard just encouraged me, and that was a great interview. If you live in the second district and you call yourself a Bible-believing Christian, go look at his website and tell me how not to vote for that man because he is putting God first. And look, he's pro-life, he's pro-family, he is just he's uh He's a great conservative, and I hope the best in that race for him. And I'm going to be pulling for him, and I'm going to be watching very close in March when they're running. All right, as I said in the last segment, I'm not going to focus on uh, a tribute to Rush Limbaugh at this time. I did that already. I went ahead and talked about the death of Rush Limbaugh Wednesday when he passed on. And... I did a whole tribute on there. If you want to listen to that tribute, you can go back. It's the episode before this one. And I dreaded preparing for this because this, well, I was thinking about this a long time ago. Back in February of 2020, I thought about this when Rush announced that he was, um, and he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And the first thought that came to my mind, I remember, was, man, we're going to have to pray for Rush. Pray for a healing. Pray for something because he, he's an icon in this nation. And he's, a, he, he, you know, he, he's the voice of conservatism. Then I started thinking, what happens when Rush does pass on? Who will be that next great voice of conservatism? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is... This, this was some big news this week. And I heard a lot of people talk about tributes. Um, the, the, one of the questions that was asked to me first was, who do you think is going to take over Russia's spot? I'm not qualified to say who would take over Russia's spot. You know, I, I don't even know if I'm qualified to ask the question, who's going to be the next Rush Limbaugh? You know, because that was the voice of conservatism. I was watching a video before coming on air of Sean Hannity, and Sean Hannity said it like this. Look, that the death of Rush Limbaugh was like losing your starting quarterback, your starting running back, your franchise tight end, and all these, all these big spots in a team. You lose him like on the spot, and that's what happened uh, Wednesday when Rush passed on. Now we couldn't help that Rush was sick, but you start thinking about who will be that next great voice of conservatism, and it. I think this this thoughts that people are having, and this is just an opinion part of this because you know I've heard names of Don Bon Jovi. Um, he does a podcast. Uh, Ben Soprino, um, all these, all these great conservative guys, and I'm I'm just wondering about the next generation of conservatism. You know, Candace Owens is one of them I heard that would take over and give a new fresh. And I, I we I don't know what the plans of the EIB network is. I think they're just grieving the loss of Rush right now. And last time I heard, they were just playing recaps of Rush Limbaugh. And look, Rush had talked about a, a, a line of topics, so you can't really say that there was nothing that Rush touched on, unless it's something out, extremely out of the blue. And Rush used a platform to build it. So Rush Rush talked for 32 years at three hours a day for five days a week. If you add that up, that's a lot of hours of Rush being on the air and talking about his opinions and what he thought this country was going to. Now, I'm I'm not trying to bash any fellow anchorman, I guess you could say, or someone that talks behind a microphone. But there is some conservatives out there that they they 
they're on the radio. Don't get me wrong. They're on the radio. They're on TV and they say they're conservative and they say, they say that they're going to shoot straight with everybody, but their actions or their interviews don't say that they're conservative. And Rush didn't do that. Rush, Rush went ahead and he had a backbone. Rush would not let the left bully him. Unfortunately, you got young conservatives today that are letting, they don't want to, they're in this, they're in this phase of cancer culture and they don't want to offend anybody. So what they do is they agree with everything and they might not agree with it, but they still go ahead and they give them the left a voice and it contradicts everything they believe or they, they show their true colors. Now, I'm not saying that about Ben Soprano. I'm not saying that about the other guys I mentioned earlier. Look, in my personal opinion, I think Todd Herman would be the best fit for a show in that time slot of 11 to 3 o'clock. We also got uh, people forget that uh, Todd Stearns is from 11 to 3 o'clock that you can listen to. It's going to be weird not listening to Rush from 11 to 3. But guess what? We have people on the air right now that are still talking politically. And talking conservative, they're, they're being, they're talking the conservative points right. But Rush was just, you know, if, when I talk to people that like football, they hear this. Oh, um, who's the greatest quarterback of all time? You have a couple of names rise up, but the, the one on top is Tom Brady. And Tom Brady has put a, so much of a standard on the NFLs for a high level of playing quarterback that I don't know if it's ever going to be reached. And Rush did that with talk conservative. You know, Rush was, Rush was the trailblazer. Rush went ahead and Rush cleared out the way, just not for Fox News, just not for Sean Hannity, but people talking on a mic like this. You know how many podcasts they got out there of conservative people talking on a mic? A lot of local people like me that said, look, when I started this, I wanted to be like, um, I wanted the platform like Rush Limbaugh, me talking. Now I have guests, as the previous segment showed, of politicians and um, people running for office to go ahead and get their name out there, and I'm happy to do that. But Rush hardly had any guests, and if you listen to this program, I don't hardly have guests. That much. I might have a sit-in once in a while with my brother or with someone that comes into the studio and we talk and we want the, um, the conversation recorded. But I, you know, rush rush didn't never had had too many guests because he was trying to, and I'm not mocking guests. Don't get me wrong, but rush rush wanted his point of view cross. And look, this is my scare. They put somebody, somebody gets into that slot of 11 to three o'clock. And they're not truly conservative. I'm going to use prime example. And look, this is not to bash him because I do agree with a lot with this person in some areas. But there's a lot of areas I cringe because I see this. And I'm like, how? And he even gave a tribute to Rush Limbaugh and said he didn't agree with everything with Rush Limbaugh. And we're not going to agree with everything from anybody. You know, I have friends that listen to this podcast that uses the phrase, not my president, and y'all know how I feel about that phrase already. Because if you live in the United States and you, you, you're a resident of this state and a citizen of this state, the, pre, the current president is your president. I couldn't stand when people said it about Trump, and I can't stand it when people say it about Biden. Do we feel that Biden was not legitimately in there, legitimate in there? Yes, but at the same time, he's still the president of the United States, which makes him my president. So he is the leader of this, this country at the moment. I know I'm probably offending people by saying that, but I have to say it because, I, hey, it's my opinion, and I, I, just, I just don't agree with it. But I'm not going to go outcast everybody. I'm not going to name them all like that. But there is some things I, I do agree with this person I'm about to mention, and it's Guy Benson. I do agree with Guy Benson on some, some issues. But Guy Benson, in my opinion, is not a conservative. He's a rhino. Because he goes ahead and he talks good. He talks about conservative movements. He, he look. He gave a great tribute to Rush Limbaugh. I went back and looking to went back and listened to it, and he did a great job. He gave a great tribute to Rush Limbaugh, saying how he listened to Rush and that his program wouldn't be possible. Vox News and all that other stuff wouldn't be possible. But Guy Benson will go ahead and talk to Juan Williams or some some leftist. Uh, ideology thinker and he will say well i agree with you on that i agree with you on that rush never said that to a a a left-leaning person and there's people out there that still have the backbone to say no we're not going to agree with that now like i'm I'm, you know as they say it's going to be a um 
you know, there's a point of content, I guess. There's going to be some times I agree with leftists. There's going to be some time I agree with Democrats. There, you know, there was an article out there the other day about there's some, um, Paula White and some other Christian guys saying how they, time doesn't matter that Trump will be president in the next four years. They're prophesying it. And by golly, you know, I, I have friends and I have, I follow people that talk about false prophets. These people were wrong. Trump was did not become the president of the United States again. Well, you got to look at voter fraud. If the vote, it don't matter. If there was voter fraud and he wanted legitimate, well, guess what? He won, but they stole it and Biden's the president. If you prophesying that Trump would have been president, he would have became president no matter what it was. God would have made a way for that man to be president for his prophecy to be fulfilled. But they're saying again, well, we're going to go ahead. And look, the, my, my friend that shared that said, look, I can't believe they're doing it. And look, I agree with him. Look, hey, I know I, I, I told her, hey, I feel about vote. You know how I feel about voter fraud, but I understand they're trying to cover their rear end. So I will agree with with Democrats on that, that these people made prophecies and they, they're false. Well, if they prophesied and they're false, guess what? The Bible says declare him as a false prophet. Oh, well, you can't do that because of voter fraud. I go, no, it don't. I'm sorry. When God makes a prophecy, it don't matter what the devil does. God's still going to fulfill that prophecy. So, yes, and look, I'm, I'm not going to say that when conservatives go to Washington, they can't say, hey, let's work together. Hey, let's go. It's just funny how key issues, a lot of key issues, they've been. And I, I feel that's what Guy Benson does. A lot of key issues that I, I, I listen to Guy Benson on, I turn it off. Look, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, all these guys defended Trump. And they did not back, back down. They supported Trump. Look, Mark Levin is one of the key examples. Mark Levin was a Ted Cruz guy going into 2016. I was too. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a Trumpster right away. But Mark, but, but when Ted Cruz lost in the primaries and the general election came down to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, Mark Levin voted for or supported Donald Trump. Now, Guy Benson said the other day that in 2016 he didn't support Trump, and in 20 uh, in 2020 he didn't support Trump. So you're telling me you're supposed to be a conservative, but and who do you vote? Well, who you vote for? Who did you support? If you didn't support Donald Trump, you had to support Hillary Clinton and, or Joe Biden. So you're calling yourself a conservative. You're not a true conservative. And that's what I'm scared for, folks. When I first heard Guy Benson, I thought, man, this might be the next look, a young conservative and everything. But he sides a lot with the left. And I'm not I'm not speaking from hearing other people. I heard this myself. And I'm not trying to I'm not here to trash Guy Benson. I'm just using him as an example. There are conservatives out there that, that are in media right now that say they're conservatives, but they're not conservatives. They're more centered than anything. They don't go to the right. And I'm look, I, and look, I'm right here. I'm, I'm telling y'all that telling you this, cause this is my concern. And that's a question I'm asking. Well, who's going to be the next great voice of conservatism? Because if you talked about conservatism and talk radio, the first name that came to mind was Rush Limbaugh? I'm sorry. Even ask uh, left wing and left uh, left leaning people that you know. Hey, who's who's the voice of conservatism? The first nine out of ten will be the first one to say Rush Limbaugh. But Rush is gone now. So who's going to take up that mantle? I think Sean Hannity said it the best way the other day when I was here, and he said Rush is gone. Rush held a lot of the weight. That means we're going to have to stand up. And we're going to have to do a better job. We're going to have to step up our game. You know, using football analogies, when a team loses a franchise quarterback or any franchise player, the team has to step up. And as conservatives, even myself in this small-time podcast that, that might not be known to the world yet, I have to step up and I have to bring out truths. Because the voice of conservatism that brought out truth is gone. And look, he's in the next stage of eternity. 
And like I said, I wasn't planning on this to be a tribute. I just, I wanted to ask the question and bring that to my audience. Who will be that next great conservative voice? Who will be that next one that's going to capture the audience like Rush Limbaugh did and make them understand? Because I heard stories of left-leaning people listen to Rush Limbaugh. They maybe disagreed with him, but it was an open door for them to hear some, some of the truth in conservatism. I don't know. That's just a question I'm asking. And I just I just hope it's sooner than later. And we still got some good people, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, and other people that are still holding the mantle. But that next generation needs to rise up. I'll be right back. He paid it all. How you doing, everybody? Welcome back to this third and final segment of the Cajun Conservative today. Um, great topic so far. And look, I'm going to point back if, you know, that interview from the beginning talking about bringing back Christian values and stuff like that. That's what America needs. Um, the late Carmen, Christian artist who also passed away last week at the age of 65, I believe it was wrote a song called America again. And in that chorus, it says the only hope for America is Jesus. The only hope for our country is him. And if we repent of our ways, stand firm and say, we need God in America again. And I think that's what Mr. Bernard is doing. Going to Congress. And like I said, I just great interview at the first segment and, you know, great. In my opinion, asking the question, of who's going to be the next great conservative. And it starts with us, folks. It starts with us. And we just got to pray that, you know, Rush would always say, on a talent on loan from God. And a lot of people saying the talent was returned. Somebody needs to pray for that talent back. And look, I, I don't know what God has in store. But we need we need people to stand up, just not in the political world, but in the spiritual world as well. All right, as I go ahead, and I do want to talk about some news that happened this week. When I heard this, what I'm about to say, it kind of shocked me. Then again, it shouldn't have shocked me because Biden has been running his presidential term by executive orders. Tuesday, there was a press conference at the White House, and Jane Siskowski, her name, the press secretary, was asked a question. And the question was whether or not the administration would still consider bypassing Congress to force actions on guns. Siskowski said that Biden had a range of a- actions at his disposals and added that he hasn't ruled out using executive powers to address the issue. I'm getting this from the blaze TV website, by the way, this article was written by Phil silver silver on February 16, 2021. Like I said, on the blaze media website, Biden who made Weakening weakening Second Amendment rights, a major theme of his campaign. That's right, folks. A lot of people don't want to go ahead and and, and bring that out, but Biden is big against the Second Amendment. He issued a statement on the week of the anniversary of the shooting in Parkland, Florida, urging Congress to get moving on what he called Common sense gun laws. No, folks, that is taking away your guns, which includes the outright ban of the so-called assault weapon. Now, do you remember in the campaign, 
Biden was at this um this 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 plant, this refinery, something like that, and they had this guy asking, "Will you take away guns?" And Biden just cut loose. Biden got mad at him. Well, he all he went ahead. Like I said, this story was written on Tuesday, February sixteenth. Today, he this is Biden's quote. Today, I am calling on Congress to enact common sense gun law reforms, including requiring background checks on all gun sales. Banning assault weapons and high capacity magazine and eliminating in uh, in, in maturities for gun manufacturers who not only put weapons of war on the streets. Yes, folks, let's blame the let's blame the gun manufacturers. Why don't we? Now, when I heard this, like I said, I was kind of shocked, and I said, either Ms. Jane Soskowski, whatever her name is, and President Biden don't know the Constitution or just don't give a rat's rear end about it. Because I'm going to give you a little bit of history on our founding fathers. Why did the founding fathers make freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and freedom of the press the First Amendment and the freedom to bear arms the Second Amendment? Because that was the two most important issues. You couldn't talk freely or whatever in England. It was drawn by the king. Unless you was part of the military, if I'm not mistaken, you couldn't have weapons. Or part of the police force or whatever. So the founding fathers knew that, you know, to go ahead and have freedom of speech is one thing, but the Second Amendment needs to be something where we can protect those freedoms. Which was the right to bear arms. And I'm tired of this debate. I'm tired of this debate of people telling me, well, the Second Amendment, you know, uh, was made for hunting. Come on, really? You thought the Founding Fathers went through a revolutionary war, fought their rear ends off, won the war, and sat down and said, hey, y'all, you know, we need guns because we need to shoot a turkey for Thanksgiving. Or we need, to, we need to shoot the buffaloes to provide for our families? Yep, that's why. No, they made the Second Amendment to protect the laws and, and, and protect the First Amendment. But according to, Bill, uh, according to President Biden, he's urging Congress to make common sense gun law reforms. He wants background checks on all gun sales. Now, I'm not sure about a gun show. I never bought a, 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 a firearm from a gun show. But I used to work in a retail store here in Lafayette, Louisiana, where part of my duties were to sell guns. I remember when Sandy Hook happened, and that's when President Obama was in office. And President Obama said he was coming and he was going to go ahead and enforce some gun laws and stuff. I haven't sold more guns in my life that one day than any time in my career in working retail. I worked at a sports and outdoors store, and in the process of selling a gun, you had to fill out a 4473. Then you had to do a background check. Well, that's not sufficient, but that's one of the things he required background checks on all gun sales. Well, I worked in retail. We did that, Mr. President. We went ahead and we, we did background checks on everyone that walked through those, those doors. So don't come tell me that that don't happen. They're acting like this is a, this is it never happens on all weapons, and then they want to they want to uh, punish the gun manufacturers for putting weapons of wars on the streets. There's a bigger issue right here, and I'm going to get to that. But anyway, back to the press conference that was happened uh, at the time of this article. During the news conference, Piskowski was asked about Biden's statement and significance the choice uh, the significance the chance of such. A aggressive gun control plan has to pass in Congress. And this is what she said. Uh, the administration hasn't put together any legislative package yet. Perhaps singing that, sing, singling that executive action is the administration preferred route. So Biden is telling us the Democrat controlled Congress. The House and the Senate are totally Democrat. But hey, we're not going to go ahead and do that. I'd rather just pass executive privileges or executive actions. Hey, I'm just going to sign my pen. I've been doing it since day one. 
like I said, when I heard this, I was very distraught because the Second Amendment, I was going to that point. The sec- You cannot override the Second Amendment. You got to pass over fire rings to get to, to, to amend something in the Constitution. It ta- that term, Act of Congress, means that it takes forever. You have to pass all kind of red tape to change an amendment. But this president right here is really going to think, hey, I'm going to go ahead and turn over gun laws by the stroke of a pen where the Constitution says that that happens. Someone can, the judge can say no. Now, you might be listening and say, well, ain't executive order a law? No, it is not. And I go through that in the last uh, program, about three or four programs when I broke down executive orders. And I found out, wait a minute, executive order is not a law. But Biden's saying, I'm going to go ahead and pass. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and do And Look, she said it. The executive order is the administration's preferred route. Why ain't he going through a Democrat Congress and a Democrat Senate? Because this is the problem with that. The Senate is 50-50. And a lot of them senators are going to be running for, uh, running for re-election in two years. And unless they don't care what their constituents think, like our, like I hate to say it, I feel that our Senator Bill Cassidy does, they might do it. But a lot of them senators are going to say, wait, our, our state, people like guns and we're not going to vote against it. And Congress is the same way. We just talked to, uh, Mr. Bernard in the first segment and he's in, uh, he's in the second congressional district. But before that, it was, um, Richmond. That was the congressman out there. Now, this would have came up, and I don't know uh, Richmond that well. He's not in my district, and I don't follow his his um, his votes because I know I know what he is. He's a leftist. But in the state of Louisiana, people like their guns. And Cedric Richmond would have to say, "Well, look, I gotta do. I gotta go according to what my state wants." Or with the president one, because I think it would be very hard to pass that extreme gun laws that Biden is pushing. So instead of going to the uh, going to the the Congress, the control house and the control center of the Democrats, I'm just going to sign an executive order and hey, people going to listen to me. Listen, folks, this is dangerous. I've been telling people that they, they, they already came out to the First Amendment. They're using big tech to censor what we think and what we say. I've only got flagged maybe twice. And that's why when I put a post out there, I try to make sure it's a reliable news source. I make sure that there's facts in there that, that no one can dispute, but they're, they're censoring it folks. They don't want you to talk freely. And that's what the second amendment's for. The second amendment is to say, look, if the government goes ahead and breaks that constitution, we have the right to bear arms. The constitution was, uh, the, the second amendment was not made for hunting. I'm, I'm going to go back to that point. Can I get mad at a lot of people? And I believe it was Biden that even said at one time, do you need a 30 round magazine to go ahead and hunt for a deer? No. But I better say, I better hold my thumb. I know some hunters out there, even 30 rounds wouldn't be enough to hit a deer. That deer can come lick him in the face and they still wouldn't better hit it with a uh, 30 round mag. No. The 30 round mag is in case the government says, hey, we're taking over this country and they come after us and we have a way to defend ourselves. Also to defend our homes. If somebody breaks in. I had a missionary friend a few years ago tell us one time. He said the reason in Mexico the cartel is rampant because they go knock down doors and they can take whatever they want in that house and no, no, nobody defends them. The reason they don't come to America and try to take over America that way is because when they break down a door, they don't know if a 20 gauge, a 45, a 9 mil, or, a tw- or all of them are pointing at that door. It's sad, folks, that Biden wants to go ahead and, and use executive actions. I just want to ask the current president this. And I, I, he's not with his. He can't answer. So this is, you know, hypothetical. But are you a king, Mr. President? Oh, certainly not. I'm, 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 I'm uh, here to obey the Constitution. Mr. B- but 
the way he's acting, he's acting like a king. He's acting like he's a he's going to be controlling everything. It makes me angry when I see things like this. Because these two nuts, President Biden and Jane Saskowski, which is probably the worst press secretary that we ever had. And she holds herself to a high standard, y'all. She holds herself to a high standard. Oh, we got normalcy back in the press corps. Really? She asked them the other day, hey, can y'all submit your questions early so I can put down an answer? You can't even answer a question on the fly? Or do you even talk to the president? I had a buddy of mine tell me that the other day. She said, well, I'm going to go talk to the president. You don't talk to the president. You're, you, you're, you're answering questions concerning the politi- the political scene of the president. You don't talk to the president? It's sad, folks, that, that look, and I, I told someone the other day, I, they, they're coming after those first amendments. They're going to come after the second amendment. You know, a lot of people don't look back at history. But when Hitler took over, that's the first thing he took over, the media. He stopped their speech, and he took all their guns. Every society that has turned social to socialism or communism, that was the first thing they took. They took away their freedom of religion, their freedom of speech, their freedom of the press, and then came after their weapons. I just like how he wants to, in this article, he said he wants to punish gun manufacturers. And I'm going to go ahead and close out with this argument. You want to blame the gun manufacturers for making the gun, putting it on the streets. But I don't blame the gun manufacturers. I don't even blame the um, the gun. Well, don't you know that guns kill more people in the United States than anything? Uh, go look at your uh, nice. I think kill more people. Last time I looked. This, 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 this gets me though. Okay. They want to talk about the gun and the gun manufacturer. They want to stop the selling of guns to pro to, to law abiding citizens. They want to stop, um, gun manufacturers and even shut. There is a gun manufacturer that shut down already, but they want to go ahead and blame all these people, but they don't want to put the blame on the person pulling the trigger. Like I said, I sold guns for a brief period of time in my life. But I also own firearms. You know, you can put the bullet in there. And unless there's something wrong with the firing mechanism or the trigger, if you put that baby on safety, it's not moving. There's people that hold loaded pistols in their, their, in their pants for concealed weapons, and they never shoot themselves in the foot. They never shoot themselves in the thigh. It's when you take out the gun undo the safety and shoot the and fire it with the fire. When you pull the trigger and it nice to uh, the trigger mechanism pulls the firing pin, hits the bullet or the, the shell, wherever you are shooting and it fires it. They got to have a person that pulls that trigger. In my opinion, don't blame the gun manufacturers. Don't blame the, the, the people that own guns. Don't blame the gun itself. Blame the idiots that are behind these shootings and put them in jail. And if they kill people, well, look, capital punishment. This is the sad thing, folks. They are ju- they, these, look, the Parkland shooting, Sandy Hooks, Columbine, all the Democrats, that's all they would say. It's the gun. No, it's not the gun. It's the person behind the gun. And it reminds me of the scripture. The, the, the uh, men's heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? It's not the gun, Mr. Biden. And you trying to make another law. I got a question to ask, and I, I get this from Ken Hoven, the renowned creationist. He said, you know, the, um, the kids from Caliban back in 1999, I believe it was. Or it was, it was in the 1990s. They broke 20 gun laws or so walking into that school. Do you tell me that two more gun laws would have stopped them? No, it wouldn't have. They would have found a way. And look, you can take every gun out of this world. You can take every gun out of this place, out of this, this, this country. But if somebody has the intention of murdering somebody, they're still going to do it because their mind's twisted. 
Fighting, attacking our gun laws are not going to help the society. It's sad, folks. It's just sad the way our country is today. Hey, let's blame the gun. Let's blame the manufacturer. Let's make new gun laws. But not touching the real issue. The people that fired a gun. I'm lost for words. I'm going to be honest with you. But hey, what can I say? As I say always, look, it might look hopeless because they're trying to strip our rights. But there is still hope out there. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord of Lords. And he's coming back one day for us. That's my hope. My hope ain't in a politician. My hope is not in a man, but it's in Christ Jesus. Until next week, guys, y'all have a great week. Go like us on Facebook. Go listen to our podcast, Spotify, Google, and Apple. Y'all be blessed.